Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. So I'm absolutely delighted to introduce our speaker today. Uh, he's a dear friend and uh, he's come with his whole family. Josh Green is here with Emma and their three kids, I think, are out in the, in the children's work now, uh, out in what we call the real church. Uh, so that, that's uh, wonderful. And um, Josh is from Manchester, uh, God's own city, um, with a couple of reasonable football clubs. And... Uh, Although if you live in Manchester, they say they've only got one reasonable football club. And uh, um, for many years, Josh toured the world uh, with his band, Social Beings, sharing the extraordinary story of what God has done in his life. I think he's going to touch on that in his message this morning. Um, and then more recently, uh, he became the uh, youth director for 24-7 Prayer. And so we, we just said to Josh, Josh, go and get young people fired up about Jesus, release the power of prayer amongst young people, mobilize a generation. And he's doing that uh, in the most extraordinary way. Some of you would have experienced that at wildfires where uh, Josh was heading up uh, the whole youth side of the festival. And it was just amazing moves of the Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit moving in such power. Uh, and I know we, we, we baptized some people just a couple of weeks ago here whose story was, you know, uh, uh, well, one of them, she said, I didn't really know what my youth workers were banging on about. But then I went to wildfires and I experienced the Holy Spirit. He filled me twice. So now I know it's all true. So I want to follow Jesus. So thank you so much for your uh, ministry. So can we just put our hands together and welcome Josh Green? Brilliant. Amazing. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit twice. <laughs> what does that look like? That's amazing. Uh, I just want to honor my wife who's here on the front, Emma. Um, we're just singing, you know, and just testament is about suffering. We've been through intense suffering at different periods of our, our life and um, just watching her just never lose that faith and fire for God is just inspiring. Was anybody else inspired by those stories? Can we just give another hand clap to Jesus for those stories? There's just something incredible about something cr incredible about people who just kind of just hold on. <laughs> when the going gets tough, they're just like, well, <laughs> Jesus is all I've got, so I'm just going to hold on and see what happens. And we're still all here and a bit battered and a bit bruised, but we've got a faithful God who is never defeated. He's always victorious. And in the end, he wins and he's going to get all the glory and all the praise. And we're going to be up there with him, worshipping him. I think we can just shout Jesus one time in here. Come on, he's amazing. He's amazing. <laughs> I'm a little bit Pentecostal from time to time, so you just have to get used to it. <laughs> um, just as we were worshipping, actually, um, I had a little bit of a, a vision that I just felt was maybe just for a few people in here. And it's just a really simple picture. And um, we were singing those, that line, in my father's house, there's a place for me. 
And I just, I just had this image of this dinner table and it was a full dinner table and, and Jesus was sat at the dinner table. And um, uh, you know what it's like when you come to a restaurant and they basically say, we've got no place for you. <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's no tables, there's no free space. And, and I walked up in, into this, this restaurant looking thing and Jesus is there with this full table and he bolts up and comes straight to the door and he's like, Josh, I've got a place for you. Hey, come here. And, and suddenly this, this chair just appeared and guess where it was? Right next to Jesus. Isn't that great when somebody's like, I've actually got a place for you and it's, it's right next to me, the most important person. <laughs> and I just wanted to encourage you, whoever you are in here, God has a place for you at his table. Do you know everybody is welcome at the table? Do you know that? Everybody is welcome. That's what the cross means. It's, it's arms stretched wide from God. The table is open. There's a place. There's a place in your father's house just for you. Everyone say for me. We've got to personalize it. We're here at church and there's a corporate sense that we're worshiping God all together. But also for me, there's a place for me. And uh, I grew up in church um, both my parents were, were pastors. Um, I grew up in Manchester, as I said, so shout out to Jake. Great to see you, mate. And um, yeah, when I went to high school, nobody in Manchester understood what a pastor was. They literally thought my dad were like, is he a piece of pastor? Like, what, what do you mean your dad is a pastor? And so that, that took a little bit of explaining. Uh, it didn't really go down very well live. And uh, so you know, when my faith in Jesus started to cost me something, I kind of thought, I'm not sure this is really worth it. And then stopped going to church and about 12, 13 years old, just really wasn't enjoying church, but also was getting really badly bullied in high school. Uh, had a really difficult time and tried to take my own life in high school, just really difficult and Sorry if that triggers anything in you, but we serve a God who can bring purpose out of pain. Uh, but I didn't know that at the time, and so I went through life my own way, living my own way, doing all sorts of different things. And uh, I'm not a, a bad guy. I know I don't. I know I look like a gangster, but I'm not actually a really bad. What are you laughing at? Uh, I'm not a really bad guy. But this one time, I ended up locked up in a police station, and I have to explain because sometimes some people get a bit nervous, especially in. Guildford, um, when you say things like that. So, <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a bad guy. I just got into a fight one night, ended up in this police station, and I was just suddenly aware of what am I doing here? Why am I here in this place? Ever since I started walking away from church, walking away from God, it's landing me in places like this. <laughs> what am I doing? Where is my life heading? And I don't know if you've ever had that thought before of, what, what is life all about? Like, why am I here on this earth? What, what's the reason for me being here? And in this moment when I was really at rock bottom, that's where I found God become my bedrock for my life. And uh, for whatever reason, I decided to pray. Uh, I don't really know why, but I just kind of prayed one of those prayers that God will take you serious, but you don't mean it seriously. You know, God, if you're real, <laughs> if you're there, can you get me out of this situation? I'll live for you forever. <laughs> and God kind of takes it pretty seriously. Um, and I prayed this prayer and just suddenly... I had one of those suddenly God moments where God just broke through. For the first time in my life, I sensed the presence and power of God. Very difficult thing to explain. You know, goosebumps, tears, all of that kind of stuff. But a real deep sense of meaning and purpose. For the first time in my life, maybe life does mean something. 
Do you know that's a radical shift from a suicidal teenager to just suddenly light bulb moment realize that there is purpose. That is real power. That is the real power, supernatural power from God. We, be, we believe in a God who is supernaturally powerful, really powerful. Like he has real power, like he's able to save. Do you know that? He's able to save to the utmost, to the worst of sinners he's able to save. Do you know that? He's able to transform Guildford. I know that might seem hard to some of you, not hard to me being from Manchester, but he's able to transform this town, this region, with the power of the gospel, with the power of the spirit. And um, then something very crazy happened. I started to hear my mum audibly, I started to hear my mum sing this worship song that I used to sing as a kid uh, in, in, you know, in church. It's called Eagle's Wings. It's a very old song. Some of you might know it. Um, it's, it's, it's a very old song and I started to hear her sing it. Like Now, just to put it into context, you know, I grew up in church till about the age of 11 or 12. I'd never really seen or sensed anything supernatural before in my life. So I literally thought she was in the building somewhere. So I stood up waiting for my mum to come and greet me. You know, I've just had this powerful experience through prayer. And then I thought, oh, my mum's here. You know, maybe she was praying outside. Maybe that's what's causing this. I don't know. And as I stood up... Inside this police station, locked up, just to give you a sense and a picture, you know, all I had was this very well-used toilet for company in there. It wasn't very nice. Uh, As I stood up, the singing started to die down. And I thought, maybe they're not letting my mum in to see me. Maybe I've done something really wrong. Maybe I'm going to be in serious trouble. So I went for a second prayer. Maybe that's the second infilling of the Holy Spirit. I went for a second prayer just to make doubly sure that God heard me the first time. Because I didn't say amen at the end of the prayer the first time. So I just wondered maybe you have to follow protocol and and all that kind of stuff. And I got on my knees this time as well, which is particularly important. And... uh, (laughs) I just, I just prayed and I was like, God, you know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what that was all about, but God, I want to know you. I want, to, I, I, I want something to change, something to shift in my life. I don't really know what that looks like. I'm not really interested in becoming one of those geeky, boring Christians, but I, I want to know you. If, if you're real, if you're there, I want to know you. And uh, anyway, you know, cut a long story short. Went to court, got put on one of those really fashionable electronic tags around your ankle. You might have seen some people showing those off. I was hiding mine. Um, And I was on house arrest for three months. And they gave me some time to think. But when I went home, the first thing I did was, I'm going to go and speak to my mum. You know, why didn't they let you into the police station? Why were you singing that song all around the, you know, the police officers? Like, it's just, why are you doing that? And she said, Josh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, singing what? What song was I singing? And I said, Eagle's Wings. And when I said the name of the song, now my mum is, if you don't know my mum, she's called Deborah Green. She's a mighty prophet of the Lord. Um, And even this was a bit of a stretch for her. She said, I don't quite know how to explain this. And I don't want it to seem like I'm manipulating you to become a Christian. But on Saturday night, when you were locked up in that police station, me and your sister decided to pray for you all night. And we decided to sing a song as a prophetic declaration to call you back home to Jesus. Josh, the song was Eagle's Wings, and you must have heard it from eight miles away. And I just fell to my knees. It's just one of those times where you just suddenly realize, God is real. He's alive. What the heck am I supposed to do with this? Guys, 
I want to see this generation have the same encounter with Jesus before they get to the police station, hopefully. In Galatians 1 verse 12, Paul says it like this, the gospel is a revelation of Jesus, a deep radical encounter with Jesus. And I'm going to be really honest, when we offer people a lukewarm faith, when we offer people a watered down faith, we're not offering them the real Jesus. So we're not offering them the chance to have a real, undeniable, unshakable encounter with Jesus. And that's why we don't see the same level of response anymore. That's why we don't see the conviction, the weeping, the real life change, because people haven't really experienced Jesus. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit today. But what does it look like to, to, to really experience Jesus, to really follow Jesus? Well, I think, first of all, that Mary is quite a good example, the mother of Jesus. The angel comes to her and says, you're going to birth the Son of God. It, it must have been incredibly powerful and also very confusing. How many t people have had an encounter with God like that before? Very powerful, but also very perplexing. Like, what is going on here? But Mary's response to this this question that God had for her, this radical question that God had for her, big sacrifice. Her response was, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll do it. And then it's really interesting, a little bit of time later, Mary and Jesus and some of the disciples are at a wedding. They're at a wedding and they run out of wine. And Mary goes to Jesus and says, they've run out of wine. And Jesus has a really nice, pleasant response of, woman, what have I to do with this? And then I think Mary got a little bit cheeky. And she turned and said to everybody else, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And I just wonder whether Jesus as he was standing, carrying on his conversation, overheard that word, whatever, from Mary. And he suddenly recalled and remembered a time when God asked her to do something for him. And she said, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll do it. And I just wonder maybe, my artistic license here, I just wonder whether Jesus just overheard that whatever and thought, oh, she had a whatever for me. I've got a whatever for her. I believe that's what it's like to radically follow Jesus. We've got to have a whatever for him. And I believe when we have a whatever for God, he has some breakthrough for us. You know, um, the love of God is 100% unconditional. There's nothing you can do to earn it. Uh, our salvation is, is a gift from God. There's nothing you can do to get it. The love of God is 100% unconditional. But a move of God, oh, a move of God is absolutely conditional on what we do. Do you have Bible to back that up? I'm glad you asked. Yes, I do. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, if, everyone say if. If, does that sound conditional to you? That sounds like a condition. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, Seek his face so we can know him, not just seek his hand so we can get something from him. Seek his face so we can know him. Turn from your wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive your sin and heal their land. That sounds conditional to me. He's the one who does it. 
He's the one who brings a breakthrough. But if we want to see a breakthrough, sometimes we've got to let God break us. It's, it's a painful process. It's a difficult process. All encapsulated in his love. All encapsulated. There's a place for you at the table, but you've got to step and come and sit with Jesus and talk to him and share some things about you. And I believe we need to give this generation the real thing. And I believe that when we do that, we're going to see incredible results. And I just wanted to show you a quick video. This is me preparing the media team to get this video together. Um, we talked, uh, I was recently just preaching somewhere and just incredible response from the young people. Uh, I think sometimes we maybe sell young people short and think we just have to talk to them about the basic things. Just, just talk to them about love and acceptance and, and all that kind of stuff. But do you know the gospel isn't love and acceptance? The gospel is love and repentance. The gospel is love and repentance. The gospel isn't get Jesus into your life. The gospel is give your life in full surrender to Jesus. That's the gospel. And when, we, when young people encounter the real gospel, we often see things like this. Have you got the video ready? We're going to play it now. It's a little bit loud. So. <laughs> May God, may God send the spirit out of this place. This is a holy place where everyone's safe together and reach out and make and reach out pray together for everyone who has faith in this building to leave. We have 1,200 people here and there's no way fear can take over all of them. This is Archie. Archie is also going to pray to fear. to the name of Jesus. Come on, does anybody want to see that in our nation? Come on, come on, we can give a hand clap of praise for that. This, I'm telling you, this young generation, they don't want gimmicks and games, they want God. They want the real thing and, and we're just seeing incredible things. Tons of salvations at, at wildfires, physical healings. This uh, one story I just wanted to tell you about, one girl came in uh, with a lifelong condition. She, she was very young and she had an operation that went horribly wrong and she lived with debilitating pain her entire life. Couldn't do sports and all the things that she wanted to do and she's, she's in wildfires watching all these young people just on their knees radically going after God. She couldn't get on her knees and I love this. When she was telling us a story later she said, I was looking at all the young people on their knees and I wanted to go on my knees to Jesus too. Don't you love that? Wow. And as she's got this desire inside of her, she hears a voice. No one's praying for healing. She hears a voice during the worship that says, get on your knees. 
And she decides to go for it. She decides to go for her knees and her knees crack. And she goes on her knees for the first time in her entire life, in 10 years. Then she hears a voice that says, I'm going to heal you now. And in that instant, all the pain left her body. And her parents came in later. Yeah, we can clap for that. Let's praise God. <laughs> praise God. Her pet. You know, you have to check these things out. And later the parents came in to they, with tears in their eyes, just explaining we've never seen our daughter run around. We've never seen her do anything like this. But do you know what I love? Nobody, nobody prayed for her. Nobody called it out. There was no man of power for the hour up on the stage. It, it just was worship happening. Just God doing his thing. And that's how you know when God is moving, where he starts doing things you didn't even ask for. <laughs> So just quickly, just three real quick things on prayer just before I close. Getting all emotional up here. It's all good. I know you were looking at this last week, but Adam asked me to send some scriptures through about uh, what I wanted to share uh, this morning. And uh, I sent them through and he was like, oh, we looked at that last week, but maybe God's speaking to us. So <laughs> maybe he is. Uh, I also didn't want to prepare a different thing. So Luke chapter 11. Is that Okay. <laughs> It's good, I promise. I listened to it, so it's not going to be repeat. <laughs> Luke chapter 11, if you've got a Bible, you can just turn there quickly. Luke chapter 11, if you've got a phone, you can swipe to it or whatever you want to do. Uh, I carry around a real Bible with me. This used to be my dad's Bible. It's anointed. You can come and touch it later if you wish. Um, it's just important. I get distracted on my phone. Luke chapter 11, the disciples come to Jesus and they ask Jesus a question. They say, teach us how to pray. Do you know that it's the first time and the only time where the disciples ask Jesus to teach them how to do anything? They didn't ask teachers how to do miracles. They didn't ask teachers how to walk on water. They didn't ask what I would have asked, which was teach me how to multiply the food. Amen. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't ask that, but hey, is teach us how to pray. They saw something about Jesus' life that compelled them. And it was his private prayer life. Do you know that private prayer leads to public power? Regularly you track through Jesus' ministry. He goes up the mountain to pray, comes down the mountain and sees miracles. Up the mountain to pray, down the mountain, dead raised. Up the mountain to pray, down the mountain, walk on water. You get the picture. Even Jesus submitted himself to earthly protocols and his earthly human vessel that he was in. It, it, it's astounding to me the words in Luke 11 verse 1 where it says, Jesus was praying. Uh, that is astounding to me. Uh, one of my favorite quotes uh, is by a friend of mine and he says, if you go to church, don't worry, that's my bread and butter. We, <laughs> we have that going on all day at home. Uh, he says, if you go to church on a Sunday morning, you find out how popular the church is. If you go to midweek Bible study, you find out how popular the pastor is. If you go to the prayer meeting, you find out how popular God is. There was something about Jesus. Jesus was praying. Just those three words alone should spark a prayer revival in church around the world. If he did it, how much more should we do it? Jesus was praying and then the disciples say, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, when you pray, say, and he gives us the Lord's prayer. And I think you've got a book by somebody in your congregation all about that prayer. So I'm not going to kind of touch on that too much. I think he's pretty good at writing books anyway. Um, <laughs> but then uh, Luke 11 verse 5. Do you know you can preach on every word in the Bible? 
Luke 11 verse 5, the first word is and. Some of your translations might say then. That means he's continuing his teaching on prayer. This, this little story that I believe you looked at last week about the friend coming to his other friend at midnight seeking bread. And it's verse 8 that I really want to focus on. It's up on the screen there. It says, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend. Everyone say friend. Yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as much as he needs. What's Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying sometimes when it comes to prayer, it's not enough just to be friends with God. We have to persist with God. This, this word in the Greek is extremely interesting. I, I'm no, by no means a Greek scholar at all, but it's, I believe it's anadaya. And it's, it's very interesting because part of the meaning to this word means to show a lack of respect and to almost be rude. Because <laughs> it's not what, it's, it's funny, isn't it, how it's paralleled with friend? Because it's not really what you do with a friend. But Jesus is saying here, hey, like, sometimes you've got to be a bit rude. Like, the testimony that came up before, okay, God, show me how you're going to work good through this. It's a little bit, it's a bit out there, isn't it? It's a bit, it's, I guess it's not rude, but it's, it's forthcoming. It's straightforward. It's, it's persistent. It's like, all right, God. I mean, it, I, I picture it like this. I grew up with two older sisters and my life's goal was to annoy them every single day. <laughs> so if they went into their room to, to lock themselves away from me, you would do the classic, just knock on the door until they answer. You know, just keep knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking until what do you want? That's what he's saying here. Do you know the next verse literally says to him who knocks, the door will be opened. What's he saying? Is God really saying, annoy me until I do something? <laughs> Persist in prayer. I believe there's three important keys to prayer, especially if you want to see breakthrough in prayer. It's, it's a bit of a PCR for prayer that I like to use. PCR test for COVID. Sorry to remind you. Sorry if this, this offends you, but it helps me remember it. It's a PCR for prayer and it rhymes. It's that prayer has to be persistent, consistent and resistant. Prayer has to be persistent, consistent, and resistant. Why does prayer have to be persistent? I believe it's because God wants to know whether he can trust us with what he wants to give to us, whether we're going to be good stewards of what he wants to give to us. And that's partly because when you persist for something, it, it shows that you care about that which you're praying for. Do you know that God cares more about what you're praying for than you do? Sometimes we have the wrong picture. We think we're down here on earth really caring about this situation and, and God's some distant deity up in the air, not really concerned with what's going on in life. You know, you're talking about the God who died on a cross to show how much he loves you. He cares way more. I haven't died for my unsaved friends. Jesus did. So when I'm praying for their salvation, I need to persist. Why? Because if I care about what I'm persisting in prayer for, I'm going to steward it really well when God gives it to me. So there's many churches who are praying for their church to be uh, a center of revival, for, for their churches to be filled. And I just sometimes, this is, by the way, it's not full in here because it's August, not because you're not praying a lot, just to, to say that. But I believe that there's sometimes people are asking for God to move on their behalf, but they're not willing to persist in prayer. And I sometimes wonder whether God's like, well, I'm not going to give that to you because you're not looking after what I've already given you. Jesus said, be faithful in the 
Small things. Yeah, daily prayer, persistent prayer. I'm not giving up on this prayer. The next thing, consistent. This is not always my greatest trait, but I'm trying to get better at it. We've got to be consistent in prayer. It's a little bit like in Luke chapter 18. There's a, there's a widow who goes before a, a judge and she's trying to get justice. And she just keeps on coming to this judge day by day by day. And the judge eventually says, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming, lest by her continual coming, she weary me. We've got to be consistent. It reminds me of Daniel in the Bible who would pray three times a day. It reminds me of a a guy called Richard who I work with who never misses a prayer meeting at work. He's just, he, he works on the accounts. He's not up on the stage. But he just, he's just made this con- con- commitment. I'm going to be consistent with God. Daily devoted before God. I don't know about you, but I'm getting a bit sick and tired of celebrity Christian culture. And I think we need to start celebrating some consistent, faithful people who do the teas and coffees and who do the kids' work and who come week in, week out. They're faithful to God. Daniel was consistent with God. You know who else never missed a prayer meeting? A man called Evan Roberts, who saw the Welsh revival take place. And it literally, he said as a teenager, a teenager, 14 years old. That's why I'm so passionate about youth, because as a teenager, Evan Roberts said, I never miss a prayer meeting. Seven years later, revival came. So that means for seven years, Evan Roberts walked around having this attitude, I'll never miss a prayer meeting. Of course, we need to learn from the lessons. He got a little bit of burnt out and all that kind of stuff. So we need to be sensible about that and use common sense. But actually, I feel like I can be consistent. I might not be the type of person that can pray for hours and hours and hours, but I can keep knocking on that door, being consistent in prayer. The final one, Resistant, just as I wrap up, maybe somebody from the band can come up and play something, make it sound a little bit nicer, sound a little bit more spiritual. Uh, (laughs) Resistant prayer, you know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to come face to face with his Father. No, it doesn't. It says, Matthew chapter 4, it says that. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to come face to face with the devil. You know, as you start to go deeper in God, the first thing that you will encounter is not your purpose. It'll be your problem. You'll come face to face with resistance because there's nothing that the enemy resists more than a praying people. You ever notice like everyone's loud, having banter, having loads of fun. I mean, not at this church, but most churches in the country. Everyone's being loud and banterous and having fun. And as soon as somebody says, let's pray, everyone goes very quiet. Not in this church, but (laughs) in most churches. Uh, Very quiet because I just feel like there's just sudden resistance because even the devil knows how much power prayer has. It's time for the church to be reawakened to how much power prayer has. But this prayer has got to be resistant. The devil comes to Jesus and he says, if you are the son of God. Do you know the devil left out one very important word? A few verses before in Matthew chapter 3, the father speaks over Jesus as Jesus is getting baptized. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The devil comes to Jesus and says, if you are the son. 
You know, the devil always leaves out that position that you have before God. We sang it before. I am a child of God. And that's why we need to sing the next bit. Yes, I am. Because <laughs> sometimes we need to just reinforce that reality. Because there's many times that the devil comes against that reality. And the, the, the devil says something quite strange. He says, if you are the son of God, take these stones and turn them into bread. I think, I think we've got the verse up there somewhere. Matthew chapter 4. Um, if you are the son of God, take these stones and turn them into bread. Why did Jesus say no to this? Not just because he didn't want to follow the devil. Because he knew that if he turned the stones into bread, which he could, and ate that bread, it would feel like a bread in the moment. But in the end, it would feel like a stone in the pit of his stomach. That's sin. That's this world. That's what happens when we conform to the patterns of this world. It, it feels like temporary pleasure, but in the end, it feels like long-term shame. It, it tastes like bread, but in the end, it feels like a stone. When Jesus was continuing his teaching on prayer after this story about the friend at midnight, Jesus actually says himself, what father, when you ask for bread will give you a stone I know what father the father of lies the father of lies when you ask for bread he'll give you a stone the temptations will always come in the form of nice shiny amazing thing that looks so amazing but in the end it feels like a stone so the father of lies when you ask for bread will give you a stone but the father of lights hmm Let's get Pentecostal for a second. <laughs> the Father of Lights. When you ask for bread from the Father of Lights, it, it may feel like a stone in the moment. It may feel like a hard decision to choose God in the face of your suffering. So well done for coming to church this morning in the midst of your pain. It may feel like a hard thing to say yes to God in your high school when everyone else is saying no. It may feel like a stone at first, but in the end, it always satisfies when you follow the Father of lights. Because only Jesus knows how to take your pain and turn it into purpose. Only Jesus knows how to take your mess and make it a message. Only Jesus knows how to take your tests and turn it into your testimony. Only Jesus knows how to take your trials and make it your triumph. He knows how to take your scars and turn it into your story. Jesus has used my story all over the world and again and again, even though it's painful to remember, I'm amazed at what hope it brings to others. Share your story. Share your pain and how God is carrying you in the midst of it. Share your honesty about God and it reveals something of God's purpose. Why? Because you're still standing. You're still breathing. It's a testimony. You didn't have to say that much when you got up on the stage. Just the fact that you got up and you're struggling is a testimony in itself. You're still standing. So let's stand this morning. Standing in the midst of our pain, standing in the midst of our suffering and saying, God, I worship you. At the end of all this, when Jesus is talking about prayer, about being persistent in prayer, about knocking on the door, about a father who is good, who gives us bread when we ask for bread. He says something very interesting, Luke eleven thirteen. 13. 
If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You know why? Because the ultimate answer to every prayer is the presence of God. Oh, it is. There's nothing more satisfying than His presence. There's nothing worse when you're going through a time of suffering. Somebody comes to explain to you scientifically why you're going through that. But there's nothing better than an arm around your shoulder. It's going to be okay. Here I am. I'm with you. I'm standing in the pain with you. I, I went through pain myself. I know what it feels like. It's so comforting, isn't it? The presence of God is the ultimate answer to every prayer. And so I just, as I close, I just want to pray that you would sense God's very real presence in the midst of, as Pete said before, very real pain and problems that are occurring in this world and in our lives. So maybe just as a sign of you saying, listen, I, I might not understand it all, I might not get it all, but God, I want to feel, experience, sense know deep within my heart more of your presence maybe just put your hands out in front of you like you're receiving a gift as a sign of surrender saying God I, I want to receive your presence afresh this morning Holy Spirit thank you that you are here you've been here the whole time you were there when it all went wrong don't know how, but you were somehow there and you're here right now. I receive your presence afresh today. I want to know you deeply in my heart more and more each day. And I worship you with everything inside of me. When it all goes wrong, when it hurts, when there's a cancer diagnosis, when there's bank balance not looking great, I worship you. I give you my whatever like Mary did. Whatever you want me to do, God, I'll do it. I want to be pers persistent, consistent, and resistant in prayer and be diligent in prayer. And we're just going to wait now for the Holy Spirit. Maybe the rest of the band could come up to just lead us in worship. We're just going to wait for a few moments and just, Holy Spirit, would you just come and move all over the room? All over the room. Whatever healing needs to come, would you just come and heal, Lord? If there's conviction that we need for parts of our lives where we've not been honouring you, just, just we accept that, Lord. We, we want to go deeper in you. Yeah, I, just this morning, as I was praying, um, Adam, I believe this is for you. I, I just had a picture of you. You were typing just really diligently, but quite furiously on a laptop. <laughs> I don't know if there's something you normally do, but I just believe there's something that you're writing that's going to touch some people who really need to, to read what you're writing. I, I don't know if there's a book or I, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I just believe that there's some... Cause, I believe there's something that you're writing that's going to help people in the midst of despair and pain that's going to bring healing and hope 
So Lord, just activate that right now, Lord. Just give Adam words from heaven. Give him supernatural words from heaven. In Jesus' name, give him keys to unlock painful situations that people are going through. In the name of Jesus.